Hello, Connected Parents, and welcome to another episode of Connected Parenting. 60,000 thoughts. That's how many thoughts we have. A staggering number of those thoughts are negative. 75 to 80% actually are negative. There are 100 billion neurons in the brain that connect 500 trillion points through our synapses, traveling at 300 miles an hour. That's a lot of activity, and that can be a lot of negativity. So today we're gonna to talk about how to explore thought hygiene and how that can improve every single aspect of your life and improve the lives of everyone in your family. Hi everyone, I'm Jennifer Caleri. I'm a child and family therapist and a parenting coach and the founder of Connected Parenting. And welcome to the Connected Parenting Weekly Podcast. Join me every week and we'll tackle everything from temper tantrums to bedtime to sibling issues to teenage angst. Parenting can be so wonderful, but it can be so hard. Parents often say to me, hey, can you just come live at my house? This is the next best thing. Let's do this together. So 60,000 thoughts. That's a lot of thoughts. And each thought is a thing. Each thought has an electrical charge. Each thought is matter, is something that actually deeply impacts our lives. And neurons that fire together, wire together. So certain types of thoughts or clusters of thoughts tend to build on each other. Um, thoughts like um, thoughts that are similar. So that's kind of how the brain works. So you think, you sort of think in this chain, right? So let's say you're walking into your kitchen and you're like, well, that's dirty. Nobody cleaned up that. Oh, look at the crumbs over there. And of course, nobody unloaded the dishwasher. And why would someone close the drawer? Because that, so what happens is we start looking for similar thoughts. And every seven seconds, we collect new thoughts that pile on top of old thoughts and take us on a trajectory. They take us on a highway. And before we know it, we're having a rant inside our head that we didn't even intend to have because we were in a pretty good mood, you know, 30 seconds before, and it can take off that quickly. So what do we do with that? <laughs> and what's actually happening in our body when that happens? So negative thoughts send a little signal to our body that we could potentially be in danger. So the drawer being left open or crumbs on the floor or hearing pick people bickering in the background are subtle signals to the parasympathetic nervous system in the brain, the part of the brain that's kind of constantly searching the perimeter, constantly just in the background looking for potential danger. We're not even aware of this, but it's just part of the brain. It's just, we are, there's a part of an unconscious part of our brain that is constantly looking for potential danger. You know, we're here because of that. None of us would, would exist if the brain didn't do that. It's kind of ancient programming, but it's why we're all here. You know, luckily and thankfully, uh, if you live in a part of the world where it's not too dangerous, that part of the brain, you know, it can just kind of hum in the background. And, you know, other than something about to fall on you or crossing the street, you don't really have to use that part of your brain too much. Um, but the truth is that's constantly humming in the background. And so when we are thinking negative or fearful thoughts or noticing even just negative, annoying things, those are precursors for us, for our brain going, well, that little thing was there. So what else is there? If that little thing isn't right, then something else might be right, which means something else might, might, might not be right, which means something else might be super dangerous. So I better be ready. And so there's this very quick hypersonic speed um, movement from our brain from kind of nothing to mild annoyance to, to feeling potential danger and going into fight or flight. 
whether that uh, danger is real or perceived. So this has a biochemical impact on our body and it affects our mood. It affects our ability to respond to others. It affects our immune system. The immune system will downgrade if we're in a constant low grade state of stress. Um, and certainly if we're in a high grade of stress, our brain is going to go, hmm, okay, well, we need to divert resources here. We need to make sure we are pulling energy from all kind of non-essential services and get ready and kind of have a bunch of energy ready for our fight or flight system uh, in case danger happens. So that the immune system will actually downgrade a little bit. Resources will be pulled from there. So those resources are diverted to our muscles, to levels of oxygen, to our heart beating faster, all things that we would need in case we are in danger. So most of us don't even think about this. We're kind of in this narrative in our head. We think the same patterns of thoughts that we thought yesterday you know, we wake up in the morning and, you know, unlike, hmm, what am I going to wear today? I'm going to put this shirt on. I'm going to put these pants on. We literally put on the same thoughts that we were thinking yesterday without realizing that we don't even have to do that. So today I'm going to talk about a few different ways that we can change the nature of those 60,000 thoughts. Since for most of us, about 80% of those thoughts are negative. And that's kind of ordinary people. That That's just a natural thing. So people who are actually struggling, who are in depression or who have extreme anxiety are probably having most of their thoughts being negative, which is a very difficult, swirling, um, dark place to try to climb out of. So here are a few things that you can do to begin to be aware of your thoughts and to practice thought hygiene. All right, so the first thing to understand here, and I've talked about this in previous pod podcasts, but what's really important to understand is that prior to the age of seven, there was no, there was no hardware in the brain to handle long-term memories. So anything that happened to us prior to the age of six or seven was installed in the limbic system. That's the part of the brain that that's the security system of the brain. That's the super reactive fight or flight. Everything's dangerous part of the brain. So prior to being old enough, anything kind of dramatic you know, good things too, but certainly frightening things or upsetting things that your brain might not even be able to access anymore because they weren't, you don't have, you didn't have the capacity to put that somewhere where you could retrieve it. Um, it's kind of embossed. It's like a tattoo on your limbic system. Things that you might not even have been aware of that you really don't have any conscious memories of were impressed upon the limbic system. And then our 60,000 thoughts started to mold themselves around that impression. Now, the important thing to understand is this is a program. You can't uninstall it, but you don't have to run it. So step one is even just gently being aware and these are known as implicit thoughts of these kind of beliefs that just got kind of ingrained in our brain that we just sort of move around and think about and accept as fact when, you know, they're not necessarily. And when you think about it, we're literally adults walking around with programming that was installed at six, at the age of six. So we got to think about that for a second. So step one is realizing, okay, just because these impressions might have been installed. And these are usually things like, you know, I'm not enough. Nobody cares about me. 
I do everything around here. Um, that's kind of the nature or the flavor of these thoughts. You know, it's it's sort of like uh, people abandon me. It'll be it'll be something around enoughness usually, and those implicit beliefs that we're not even aware of will filter how we look at the world. Um, I'm teaching right now um, a group of therapists who are training to become connected parenting therapists, and one of them made the most amazing point. They're like, your implicit memory often comes out with your dog. Right, you'll look at your dog and go, "Oh my God, are you lonely? No one's paying any attention to you." <laughs> or you know, it's really interesting how these beliefs are just there without us even knowing that they're there. So step one is really to just be aware that some of the things that drive us, some of these deep-seated beliefs that we have, are really just a program that were installed at a very young age, and they may not be true anymore. <laughs> and our life um, usually organizes itself in some ways around these kind of um, deep, early, early beliefs, but it doesn't have to be that way. The second step I think is to really honor those thoughts. So those thoughts got impressed upon us at a time where there wasn't a lot of, you know, language was just beginning, the world was sort of an unknown place. Historically and, and sort of prehistorically, you know, being aware of danger and early things that were scary for us, being aware of those our entire lives kept us alive. That was important. It, it's, it built into our DNA. It's, you know, it, it was terrifying to be human thousands and thousands of years ago where, where we were predators and everything was dangerous and this could kill us and that could kill us and this could be poisonous. And all of those things were incredibly important. So that makes a lot of sense in terms of survival. So the first thing to understand is you need to honor those things. So let's say you walk into the kitchen and the crumbs are on the counter and I don't know, something wasn't done or somebody forgot to do something or somebody you asked didn't do something that you had hoped that they would do. And your first thought is no one ever cares about me or this always happens to me or it's always up to me, whatever it is, take a second, put your hand on your heart. I'll explain why in a few minutes and take a second and go, this is an, a normal human way to feel. This is how it feels. You know, when you feel like you have to do more than everybody else, when you're not valued, where you're not seen, this is an important feeling that my body is alerting me to that it thinks could be life-saving. Really, it's just annoying. But right now my body thinks it's life-saving. So the first thing you want to do is you want to go towards that feeling instead of away from that feeling. And by away, I mean you know, talking to the invisible people in the room. Can you believe this? This is unbelievable. It's always I don't know who we think we're talking to. And I don't, I don't know who we think is going to save us in that moment. It's like, we're looking up going, is somebody going to do something about this? Does somebody else see this? Um, that That's what I mean by that. But actually pause, go towards it. Give yourself a little moment of care and self-love. And that can really be a powerful thing to do. Okay, the second thing is learn how to move into brain heart coherence. Now, I'll do a whole podcast on this at this, you know, at another time, but you can and you can go to the HeartMath Institute. They will go much deeper into what HeartMath actually is, but very quickly, um the heart has 40,000 neurites in it. The heart actually thinks and informs the brain. So the brain and the heart and actually the gut all work together. And when you can have alignment between what's called the little heart, the little brain, which is the brain in your heart and your main brain, 
you have this coherent pattern, which actually changes um, the, the frequency and the patterns of your own heartbeat. So when you can learn to do that, it really makes a difference. So very quickly, here's what you do. You take the palm of your hand, which is electromagnetic. You put it on top of your own heart center. You put it there. You actually imagine your awareness in the center of your chest. And that's why putting your hand there makes a difference because where touch goes, you'll, your, your awareness will also go. So you actually go to, to the feeling of your palm on your chest and you just kind of feel and think from the place of your heart. You'll have to play around with this to see what it means, but you, you can do it. You can shift your attention there. And then you just kind of slow down your breathing, maybe five seconds in, five seconds out and imagine breathing from your heart. Just take your awareness there. It takes about three minutes, but your brain will start to get into a coherence pattern. Your heart, I mean, will get into a coherence pattern with your brain. And then you start thinking of the people you love. Don't pick someone you're mad at in that moment, but like, I don't know, pick your child or a favorite friend or your pet. And just imagine looking into their eyes Imagine putting your hands on their cheeks and looking to their eyes or telling them something that you really appreciate about them or think about things in your life that you are grateful for, that you are really happy about, that bring you some peace and bring you some joy. And they can be very small things and try to stay in the moment. After about three minutes, you'll bring yourself into coherence and practice that several times a day. Start to notice when, ooh, I'm incoherent. I'm all jaggedy and weird. I don't feel right. I'm going to bring myself back into coherence. And 72 hours of doing that will fundamentally change how you feel and how you think. It will start to shift those 60,000 thoughts, 80% of which are negative, into more either neutral or pleasant thoughts. The next step is to practice talking to yourself as a friend. So you can do this out loud when you're in your car when you're in your kitchen, if you, I don't know, you go to do something and you can't do it. And you know, in your head, you're going, you idiot, you're so stupid. I tell my kids to do this. I can't even do it. You know, whatever that thought is, take a second, do all the first steps that I just talked about, and then talk to yourself like a friend. What would you say to your friend? Would you go, yeah, you are an idiot. You're so stupid. Why would you do that? And you, you, you read all these books, you've done all this work and you keep doing it. Why? You would never, ever say that to your friend ever, ever, ever. The ways in which we speak to ourselves are so much more extreme and so much worse than anything we would ever say to anyone else, even our worst enemy sometimes. So take a second, step into kind of a different voice and say what you'd say to your friend. You know what? You're doing the best you can. You're tired. you got a lot going on. You do a lot of things right. You know, don't be so hard on yourself. Actually talk to yourself the way that you would a friend and watch what starts to happen in your body and make that happen. And eventually you'll be able to do that in your head, but in the beginning, it's easier to do it out loud. I think the last thing to really think about is, is to recognize that this is a process. You're going to be good at this for a few minutes and then you're going to suck at it again. And then you're going to get it for a while and then you're going to lose it. This is something that over time you are gently rewiring uh, some programming that's been running for a very long time exactly this way. And you're going to get some resistance. Your ego, your anxiety is going to go, what are you doing? You need to be angry. You need to be agitated. You need to be on alert because bad things happen and things always suck and you got to be aware. And it's not going to like this. 
So just know that this is a process and it's going to take a while. It's going to take a couple of months to really begin. I think it's usually around four months actually, but it gets better and better and better. The other thing to keep in mind is your energy, literally the, the, the energy that you're putting out to other people, it's going to shift. When you start to feel calmer, when you're thinking more positive thoughts, people are going to want to be around you. <laughs> they're, they're suddenly going to compliment you and, oh, you have the most positive attitude and you're just going to, strangers are going to say things to you. Your kids are going to start wanting to be around you more. You're going to be a more pleasant person to be around and, and, and you're going to be a more pleasant person to be, right? It's really important to know that you're going to enjoy yourself a lot more. And the bonus here is that our children are always watching and we are always teaching. So as we begin to work from the inside out, because this really parenting really is an inside job, you're teaching your children, A, how much control they actually have, B, how important positive thinking and gratitude is to your health, to your mental health, to family health, and ultimately community health. These are really important things. They're simple things. They take time. But start incorporating them into your lives and pay attention to the changes. Pay attention to how different you feel. This will help you ease into more peace, more joy, even more neutrality. You'll just like being in your own skin more. So if you'd like more information on Connected Parenting, please go to connectedparenting.com. We have courses, we've got my books that are there. We have a whole team of therapists and practitioners that can help you on your Connected Parenting journey. Thank you for joining me today. And I will see you next time on the next episode of connected parenting.